Get your Bibles out and go to Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. We're going to talk about joy. Joy is powerful. Mark Hankins made a statement. The Lord told him, he says, if you knew what was happening in the spirit when you're rejoicing, you'd rejoice all the time. We, we live in two realms. We live in a natural realm and a spiritual realm. And the spiritual realm around us is affected by your joy. Because you can't see it, you have to learn to walk by faith. But I want to do something tonight because, you know, everybody believes in joy until a trial hits. And I'm going to tell you a story about in a minute about me having to go through a trial. And it was, I'll be honest with you, sometimes it's really hard to get full of joy when you're going through literal hell on earth. It really, it really is. So don't get in condemnation, but you can do it. And you should, and you better start, you know, because well, I'm going to show you tonight why. I'm going to show you what, why God said do that. So let's, let's just start in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Um, very often whenever we're preaching on rejoicing in the Lord or we're talking about rejoicing and I don't think everybody believes this, but I'm concerned that people think that what we're saying is get happy and holler. You know, just shout a little bit. And that's, that's partly true. There's nothing wrong with that. But what does it really mean? Why, what is that, re, what in the, what's the point of Paul saying rejoice in the Lord? There has to be a reason for this. It's not to make us more Pentecostal. Or just to cause us to have a little happier day. The word rejoice means to joy again. The joy again, but why? Now it says in what? In the Lord. Now when we read that, it's not rejoicing because Jesus is Lord. But rejoicing in what the Lord did. Now, when Paul says this, let's read it that way. Joy again in what the Lord has done. Why? Because very often we get born again and we go, oh my God, you washed all my sins away. Thank you, Jesus, you're so good. And we rejoice over that. Well, about a week later, you're going through a trial and Paul's saying, why don't you get happy again about what God has done? And, and so when, whenever we're saying rejoice in the Lord, we're always making a reference not, not to just being happy and not just making noise and hollering in church. That's not really, you will make noise and you will holler, but, but the, 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 what's your th you're not just going, I'm going through hell and I need to holler a little. Because you're trying to get God to do something. That's not correct. You're rejoicing because he did something and you're getting your eyes back on him and off of whatever it is bothering you. So you could rejoice because of the Lord all the time. And Paul is making the statement, you really should stay enamored with what the Lord has done. Um, so anyway, Philippians 4 says, joy again because of what the Lord has done or because 
I have the Lord at my side in this situation. In other words, he finished the work. It means focus on the Lord, not the problem. Now, the reason we're rejoicing in the Lord is because we're living in the world. And while the Lord is on our side, we all have times when there's things happening to us and around us that are not good. And it's demanding your attention. Look at me, look, pay attention to me, and you'll have a bad day today. And so those things are screaming at you and saying, have you observed how bad things are going right now? And it's nothing wrong with you saying, well, I have observed it. I have noticed that things aren't going well, but I have chosen not to just shout, but to rejoice because the Lord has risen from the dead, saved me, lives inside of me, and nothing that's going to happen to me today that God in me can't fix. So that's, that's what it's really saying. So whenever you're in a worship service and we're singing to the Lord, it's really focus, get your focus off of what's going on and back on the Lord and there's a reason that he wants you to do it. Something's going to happen in the middle of your rejoicing, but you're going to have to get your eyes on the Lord. All of the bad things that are happening are Satan's deterrent to get you to get your eyes off the things of God. And, and I say this with, with all the grace I can. It's People come in and they get born again and they, they, they come to church like this and they're going, yeah, but you don't know what I'm going through. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. There is no private. Uh, you, you don't have a personal problem that nobody knows about that. There, the devil has never come up with a temptation or a trial that you are special. And I know he told you you are. Because my mother-in-law used to tell me, Daryl, you don't understand. Yes. And I'd say, Martha, what planet are you from? <laughs> Where did she get this idea that she had a problem? Nobody ever went through what I'm going through. <laughs> right? right. And, and people come to me and they say, well, you just wouldn't understand you're a pastor. Well, I don't know what planet you think I'm living on. And I'm going to give you all a little hint. Everything you've ever been through, Jesus went through it. And, and three quarters of what y'all go through. Now, I've just never had um, a menstrual problem. So I can't say I've had all of y'all's trouble. I, I have just never had hot flashes. So, so there are things I have not been through. Right, Mike? You hadn't been through me. That's fine with me. But, but, uh, but you know, this idea that somehow or another, you, you, you and your trouble is special. No, it's not. There is not a temptation that's not common to man. You know, every battle you've had in your head, we've all had it. 
every temptation to get depressed, we've had it. Every temptation to quit and throw in the towel, we've had it. Every time we've ever thought about killing a couple of our kids, we've had it. I brought you in the world, I'm going to take you out. So you, you don't have a problem and you go, well, you just don't know what I'm going through. Honey, we know what you're going through. But yet, the answer, the problems are the same, and the answer's the same. The answer is, is faith in God. Now, I'm going to make a statement to you here, and I want you to listen to it. You may want to write it down. You can shout without being in faith, but you can't be in faith without shouting. If you're in faith, your face is going to be happy. You're going to be going, oh, there is a God. And if you're, if you're sad, we know you're not. Well, I'm just in, I'm just, I'm just telling you, Pastor, I'm just using my faith. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just really in a battle and I'm really in faith right now. No, you're not. Because faith is always looking at the fact that the Lord's already got this. So when Paul's writing a letter and he says, I want you to rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I'm going to say, y'all guys ought to rejoice. All right, and we're going to look at some more. Um, go to Matthew 14, 28, and I'll show you this. Uh -huh. This is something that we've all heard before. I don't need to preach to you anything that you've never heard because you're having a hard time doing what you know. So I don't need to teach you what you don't know. I just need to go back over what you already know and remind you of what you know to get you back to doing what you already know you're supposed to be doing and ain't doing. Well, thank you for y'all's enthusiasm. Anyway, you know, the good thing about the Bible is that uh, even though it's not a real big book, you could, you could spend your whole life reading it and go to heaven and still not know much. You know, there's, I mean, I've read some scriptures maybe several hundred times and just now starting to get it. You know, I have a bad memory. I'll read something and go, woo, and three days later I'm going, where was that scripture? And I know y'all do too, so don't look at me in that tone of voice. Now, now Matthew 14, 28 is a scripture, everybody knows it. Peter, Jesus is walking on the water. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come on the water. So what's he going to say? It's him, right? And he said, come. And when Peter came out of the boat, he walked on the water. He did, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah he did. That's, that's something you hadn't done or me. I've never walked across a swimming pool. I have on skis <laughs> with a boat pulling me. And when he saw the wind, what's happened to him? See, he had the Lord say, come. And then he got his eyes. Jesus is standing on the, on the water. Peter's standing on the water. And then a thought hit him. Yeah. This ain't normal. Not only that, but today's windy. Yes. Yes. Honey, you're not going to stand on the water not windy. Right. Well, what's the wind got to do with anything? Your circumstance has zero to do with you walking by faith. But as long as it's demanding your attention. So the whole point here, G, G, Peter begins to sink. Read it. He walked in the water and he saw the wind boisterous. He became afraid because he got his eyes off Jesus and he began to sink. He didn't say sink. 
said he began to sink. And he cried and said, Lord, save me. And Jesus grabbed him by the hand, caught him. You know, actually, he's standing on nothing, catching him, and he's trusting that. That's crazy. And he said, why is your faith? And in other words, do you know what just happened to you? You were doing good till you got your eyes off of me. Now, back to the statement, rejoicing in the Lord is God's way of saying, keep your eyes on what I did and not on your problem. In other words, it's not just a time to holler on Sunday morning after the second song. I'm feeling it. No, he didn't even say anything in Philippians about waiting until the music starts. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. Now, always in the Greek means uh, always. And the reason for always is you always are going to need to keep your eyes on him because you always are going to be in a problem that wants to sink you. Somebody came to me the other day and said, Pastor, I prayed and the problem didn't go away. Well, he never told you all your problems were going to go away. You know, I'm going to do something one Sunday morning. And I just, I just want to do a Mark Hankins and just walk back and just slap somebody. Uh, we, this church is not named Disney World. And I do not have a magic wand. From this day forward, all of your problems will go away. I don't know what church you go to or what Bible you're reading. What Bible are you reading? Because there's nothing in your Bible that said anywhere in it that somebody was going to pray for you and you were never going to have a trouble out of the devil and you were never going to have another bad thought and you were never going to have another trial and you were ne- and everything was just going to turn into Disney World. Now, if you really believe that, you're about 45 minutes too far north. If you wish... Upon a star. Honey, I got news for you. They ain't, they ain't working for them either. But they sure paying a lot of money to try. And we even got some numb nut Christians in here trying to wish upon a star. You know, Vegas has lights, but it's a hellhole. Disney's got lights and it's a hellhole too, if you ever figured that out. She, Manetti, why don't you get on Disney? Because you got to get over this idea that if you come to church and get saved, then you're never going to need to use your faith. I don't. That's folks. That's just not so. And 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 I don't care if Benny Hinn, Joyce Myers, Mark Hankins pray for you for six months and rub all the hair off of your head. When you get up off the floor, the devil's going to meet you in three minutes and attack your head. You might as well just suck it up and go, well, maybe, maybe I should read the Bible. So when he says rejoice in the Lord, what he really meant by that was rejoice in the Lord. 
Why? Because you need to rejoice in the Lord. Not, see, it keeps you from getting in a mess. Well, what are you going to do about this? What are you going to do about that? What are you going to do about this? Well, I got it figured out. I think I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. Oh, God, you are so good to me, man. You are a big God. You died on the cross, rose from the dead, shed your blood, live in me. I think I'll rejoice in the Lord. And he said, well, that seems easy. Well, he had to make it simple. Because it's us. I just offended you, but you didn't know it. That's all right. All right, go to Luke 10. Are y'all okay? You took that offense pretty good. That's all right. I'm going to have fun. We're going to have fun tonight. We're going to have fun. Look at another one here, Luke 10, verse 20. Nevertheless, oh, let's read 19. Behold, I'm going to give you authority, trampling on serpents, scorpions, and over all power of the enemy, and nothing's going to hurt you if you're rejoicing in the Lord. Nevertheless, don't rejoice at that. Why did he say that? Because God doesn't want you rejoicing in the fact that you have authority over the devil. You understand, God's, God, you don't rejoice that you got the anointing. Don't rejoice that Jesus is, don't, just rejoice over the fact that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Or in other words, rejoice in what the Lord has done. Because here's why, stop, stop. You, you, you know, you, you went out and, and, and you got a job and they gave you a raise and you're rejoicing. When you get home, there's going to be an extra bill. So if you're going to rejoice over the fact that you got a raise, now you're going to get sad over the fact that you got an extra bill in the mail. And then all of a sudden you get the money to pay the bill and you rejoice over that and you get home, you have a flat tire. And then, so what you're doing is you happy and dead and happy and sad and happy and sad and happy and sad. And he says, stop rejoicing over answered. Stop rejoicing over everything except the Lord. Now that means when you get a raise, you say, thank you, Jesus. My name's written in the Lamb's book of life. And when you get home and the tire's flat, you say, thank you. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. So that your, so that your faith is on an even keel all the time. You're not like a yo-yo. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You can see him coming into church Sunday morning. You don't know what I've been through. You just don't want to know what I've been through. Can I say something kindly? We don't care. I, I, don't, I don't mean that we don't care. We, we ain't God. And we can't fix it. But we will rejoice with you if you'll get in faith. Are y'all... Pastor, Pastor, pray for me. No. Rejoice. Because you've been praying all night. I can tell by your sleepy eyeballs. You've been praying all night long. You know, if you've been praying for months for something, you need to get a clue. It is time to make an adjustment. <laughs> it's time to get happy 
about what you prayed for for months. As a matter of fact, you could have gotten happy in 10 minutes and been a lot further along by now. But you know, sometimes we just thick. I've been praying all night and all week and all month, Pastor. Well, hallelujah. All right. If he just had more compassion. First John 1. Four. And these things we write so that what? Your joy will be full. What's he talking about? He's talking about if, you, if we have fellowship with one another and, you know, he's talking about what Jesus did for you on the cross. And he said, now we're going to write this so your joy will be full. Now here's the question. Why do you want your joy to stay full? There's a, there is a spiritual purpose behind that. Go to Nehemiah 4, 8. 8, 10. Go to Nehemiah 8, 10. Now I've got to find it in my Bible. That's way over there. I never go to Nehemiah. If I find it, it'll be a miracle. It's near Ezra, isn't it? Someplace after Psalms and Job. Anyway, in Nehemiah. Nehemiah told us the answer to this. No, it's not. It's in 427. He must have a reverse translation Bible. Now look at this in Nehemiah 8, verse 10. Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send portions to those to whom nothing is prepared, for this day is holy to our Lord. Don't sorrow for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, listen to me. The devil knows that. You know, it says over in the book of Ephesians that you be filled with the fullness of God for a reason. It's not, he's not asking you to do that just so you can walk around hollering and shouting in church. Reason God wants you to stay full of the Spirit and the reason he wants you to rejoice in the Lord always is because whenever you're in joy, you're in faith, and that's when you're in his strength, not yours. Be strong in the Lord, not strong in yourself. But see, the greater one on the inside of you is working when you're rejoicing. See, you need a lot more going on inside of you. We're a superhero that the only time that the superpowers are working is when we're rejoicing. That's a powerful statement. So in other words, if he can get you to get your eyes off of him and stop the joy, then the strength stop. Pastor, you just don't I'm just tired. I'm tired. I mean, God, I, I would have been there Sunday, but I had a week. I'm just tired. Well, there's a reason you're tired. Mental work is far more taxing. Worry will wear you out faster than any physical work. I used to lay block, and I'm going to tell you something. At the end of the day, I didn't nothing. I'm talking about lay 72-pound boxcars for eight straight hours. That was nothing. Come home and run and work out with weights. 
That wasn't nothing. Worry, it had per near killed me. So, let's go back over to Philippians chapter 4. I want to show you something else now. Are you all okay? Say, I'm going to learn to rejoice before I get out of here tonight. This is actually very strategic, and that's what I'm trying to show you, that it's not just a, well, just get happy and shut up. That's not what Paul is saying. (laughs) We just don't want to hear you whine anymore. Shut up and get happy about it. That's not what he's saying. He's talking about there's something dynamic happening around you, and we need you to start getting happy about the Lord. I know that what's happening is not good, but you need to get excited about the things of God. Well, I'm just going to rejoice in the Lord. I tell you, I know what I know. I know what's happening. I know what's happening. But I'm going to tell you right now. Praise the name. I'm just going to get happy about. It. I'm just going to rejoice in this. Right now, I'm just going to decide. I'm just going to go spend some time and just worship God for a little while. Because right then, you're starting to do something. All right. All right. Um, uh, ha, 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 ha. Okay. Back to Philippians. Now, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. going to be let your gentleman be. Verse 6. Be anxious about what? Nothing. Absolutely nada. Stop it. Anxiety in the heart. You know, in, in, in the Amplified, it says, it says, don't be anxious about anything. He's not talking about casting your cares on the Lord once a day. He's talking about a way of life yes. to where you're no longer allowing anxiety to rule That's you. Right. That's right. Now, the first time you ever have a non-anxious day, you are going to feel guilty. <laughs> and somebody's going to accuse you of not caring. What is it? You just don't care? Well, I do care, but I I prayed about that, and I gave it to God. Well, what are you going to do about it? Not a thing. Yeah, but yeah, but the kids are they're going crazy. Well, there is a God, and I'm not Him, and I did pray about it. So I think right now I'm just going to go in there and enjoy my night, praise the Lord, and see you. You're you are doing something about it. You're trusting God. Do you understand that? Anxiety, I'm going to say something right now, and and I don't want you all to get too mad at me. Anxiety is pride. We've all done it, but so don't get mad. Anxiety is what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Nothing. And I'm not talking about neglecting responsibilities. I'm, I'm talking about things you can't do anything about it. Anxiety is, is Satan's way of getting your attention off of the things of God. Now, we should live carefree. I didn't say you didn't care. But you and I have to learn to live carefree. Now, now the way you do that is you get a report. Your kids, uh, they're not, they're not acting right. You know, your, your, your long lost daughter just married a, the bum down the road. You're like, are you serious? What in the Sam Hill? Well, father God, I'm going to give that to you right now. 
I'm going to trust you in the name of Jesus. That you are God and you're going to turn this thing around. No, that's my children. You said greatest peace of my children. And right now, I'm not going to lay here and lose any sleep. I'm going, I refuse to be anxious. Now, that's, that's the most powerful thing you'll ever do. Because now you're in faith. Do you understand that? Now, Sunday... Uh, not this, is it this coming? No, not this coming Sunday. Next Sunday. Nancy's coming. You know, um, my sister at one time didn't live for God. Actually, wasn't living for God. There's a lot of people in my family were not living for God. But have you ever noticed that they have all come around? Well, I must be doing something right. And I'm not laying up at night and worrying about it and, and wringing my hands and sweating and falling apart. Because, because I said, well, I've given them the word. The word does not return void. That's my seed in Jesus' name. Now, I'm not going to sit around and worry about it. Amen. Now, that doesn't mean I don't care. Because care will wear you out. It'll, it'll wear you out. It'll actually kill you. And I, and I may get a chance in a minute to tell you a little bit about that. But be anxious for nothing... In everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Go ahead and pray about it. And when you get through, now go, now go, go to with me real quick to Acts 16. And, and then, then I've got to change directions here just a little tiny bit. And, and I've got something for you to see. I think that I'll explain it to you in a way I think will help you understand it. Acts 16, verse 25. Look. At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and. Don't forget, don't ever let that, don't ever let that slip from you. Who's praying and. Now, he's in jail. They locked him up. They threw the key away. He's, he's never coming out. But he did pray. And it didn't say he prayed a month. It says they were praying and What? Why weren't they singing? Were they singing because they just wanted to sing or they were happy? They weren't singing because they're happy. Paul's the one that wrote Rejoice in the Lord always. Listen, he had a revelation of something. He said, Heavenly Father, you can see that they locked us up. We're down here in this jail. They threw the key away, never going to get us out of here. We know that we have work to do, and we've asked to ask you right now to get us out in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, now, did he pray? Did God hear him? Did he hear? You sure he heard him? What's there left to do? Get excited about it. Now, He's going to act on what he's telling you to do. Something happens in the spirit realm when you start rejoicing. Satan cannot stand in the presence of God. In, in, the, in the presence of God is fullness of joy. Whenever, whenever you're rejoicing, God inhabits the praises of his people. You are bringing the spirit of God into the situation you just prayed about when you start rejoicing. You get full of worry, you're attracting devils. You get full of faith and joy, you're attracting angels. And you've got to decide who you want working in the atmosphere around you. Ain't a devil in hell going to hang around you while you're praising God. 
Do you understand? You're in a war. You're in a fight. And you're in a fight that you need to win this fight. So in the middle of your midnight hour, you need to, to pray and pray and start singing and not just sing a song. But I'm talking about you're worshiping the Lord because of who he is. Paul is not singing because God is going to get him out of jail. Paul is singing because God is God. We don't sing in here on Sunday because you have a problem. We're singing because he's God and you're not. When you change the way you're thinking, I'm rejoicing in the Lord. And when you learn that, when you get that mindset, you're like, I think I'm starting to get this. All right. All right. Go to 2 Corinthians 4.8 and then pop my airplane up there, please. I need an airplane. Can I give y'all some flying lessons tonight? All right, I'm going to teach you something, and do me a favor. I'm not really trying to teach you how to fly an airplane. And I don't want you to walk out of here tonight and go, he thought I'd try to teach you how to fly an airplane. I don't know about flying enough stupid airplane. Now stop for a minute, because we are going to fly someplace tonight. We're going to get in this airplane. I think this is a Cessna 172 or 182 or something like that. All right, now I'm going to show you something right here. I got my little handy dandy stick. Now, when you first start flying, they put you in an airplane and they will not allow you in the clouds because you have about one to two minutes and you are going to be dead. You will die that fast in in the soup because all your feelings are suspended. Now, they take you up when you first get in an airplane. They say, don't fly in the clouds. You won't live. And you go, that's baloney. I know good and well I can feel an airplane. Well, you can't. So they take you up in an airplane, and at nighttime, they take you out at night, and they, and they turn the airplane in a 60-degree in a bank. And the yoke, in order to keep it from flipping over, they have to pull the yoke all the way to the left to keep it from rolling upside down. And so you're flying along, and, the, and, and you're in the airplane, and he's been turning left, turning right, and climbing, and, and now your feelings are screwed up. And he hands you the yoke, and you're sitting there, and the yoke is all the way over to the left. And he says, what would you do? And you'd say, I would turn it to the right. He said, well, if you do, you're going to die. And then he says, take the, your hood off, and the airplane is sitting in the air like that. He says, you do, you're going to roll it upside down, and you're coming down, you're going to stick it in the lake. And they take you out and prove it to you that you really don't. My dad flew uh, Corsairs, um, the Vault Corsair, the Gold Wing Marine Corps airplane. And he said one time he was flying along, and his instrument panel said he was upside down. And he said, that's a stupid thing. He's tapping on the, the, the thing to try to get the little airplane to flip over. And all of a sudden, he came out of the clouds, and he went, oh, shoot, I am upside down, and rolled the airplane back over. Now, now, it's the hardest thing in the world to prove to you that your feelings in an airplane are lying to you. Your feelings in your life are lying to you right now. I feel God. Next week, I feel terrible. All right. Now, we're going to do something. Just to get the airplanes there for a minute, and I'm going to go ahead and... We're flying along, and all of us are up in uh, Leesburg, and we're coming down to Orlando. Can you all imagine with me? 
There's a little highway out there called Victor. 159 comes over Orlando Country Airport down 441. It gets to a place called Mambo Intersection and turns, and that's when you fly toward executive about 150 degrees. Everybody okay with that? All right. That means a little hard right, and you're headed to executive from up at Apopka. Now, you're flying along, and all of a sudden, you're in the soup the clouds have come down, the, 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 everything's deteriorated, and you can't see anything outside the windshield. What are you going to do? Well, you have an instrument panel. Are you all seeing this? Now, I'm going to show you something. This little guy right here is your airspeed indicator. This is your, um, your attitude indicator. This is your little uh, turn and bank. This is called a, D, a DG. That's your Here's a compass, but that's your di directional gyro. And this is a VOR, and, that, and that's a VOR, but that has a VOR that's, that's hooked up to an ILS. And this is your altimeter. This right here says that you're about 900 feet above the ground. All right. Now, you're also straight and level, and you're climbing. Where's your airspeed? God, I can't read it. All right. So, you're flying along, and you're at 2,000 feet. And so air traffic control, you contact them and say, this is one, two, three, four x-ray, uh, flying into executive, and I need to file for an instrument, and they give you an instrument approach. And they ask you to turn the airplane 180. And I'm going to show you something right here. Little DG right here. See it? It's sitting on 60 degrees. You're going to turn this little airplane right here. And that little airplane right there, until that directional gyro hits 180, that means you're flying toward Disney. Everybody got it? You, you know where you are? Okay. Now, you're on 180, and now you're going to take this radio right here, and you're going to plug in the VOR in executive. You're going to plug in the VOR from Jacksonville, and you're going to triangulate and find out where you are. All right. When you, y'all getting this? Everybody, if I, how many of y'all are th thoroughly confused? You have no idea what I'm talking about. All right. All right, y'all know you're still over a popka, don't you? You're headed south, right? You're at 2,000 feet, you're headed south. All right. Now, when you plug in the ILS, in, uh, the instrument landing system in executive on runway seven, there's going to be a beam, of, a beam that comes off that runway that runs straight out toward Disney. Whenever that beam, there's right here is a little uh, line that's going to come from the top and go down to the right. It's going to set off to the right. That means that your airway is still ahead of you. Now, I, don't let me confuse you. You're just going to fly along until that little line gets in near the middle. That means you're on the ILS. You're on the runway. So you're going to turn to 070. Then you're going to wait until there's a little bar going this way. Boom, 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 boom. And it's going to be sitting up in the top. And the minute it comes down into the donut, dead center, is you're going to be at the outer marker. You're going to drop your gear, pull your power back to 20 inches, and you're going to start coming down to a runway. All right. Can you see? Yes, you can. You can't see the ground. You can't see the runway, but you can see. Now, listen to me. 
You can see where you are with that. You can see where you are with that. You can see where the airplane is with that. You can see how high you are with that. You can see which direction you're going with that. Right? Can you see? Yes. When you are in the soup, you have no visuals, but you have instruments that are true. This is truth. So when you're going through life and everything goes, I I don't have any idea what to do, that's when you bring this up in front of your eyes, and it says, if you ask anything according to his will, he hears you. Did he hear you? Yes. 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 Then it says, rejoice in the Lord. What should you do? Now, let me tell you about another thing. There's a little, little radio right there where you're talking to air traffic control and he can see everything you're doing. That is the Holy Ghost. you got the Holy Ghost. You've got a Bible. And so that's your guarantee that you're going to get where you want to get safely. I just did a really good job of teaching y'all how to fly an airplane. Now, I'm going to make a statement to you. It, it, takes, it takes about six months to train yourself to fly by the instruments and leave your feelings alone. It, it's really hard to do. But once you make the transition, it becomes easier to fly with the instruments than looking outside the airplane. Because the instruments tell you Everything and where you are and where you're going and how long it's going to take you. You know everything by those eight instruments. Now, once you've trained yourself to fly by the word, then what's happening, good or bad, no longer affects you. You're not happy because it's good or bad. You, you almost don't even know whether the day went from good. You don't even, you're flying along in the soup and all of a sudden you pop out in the sunshine and you don't care because you're on the instruments. Yeah. Now I'm going to tell you a story. I was flying up to Athens, Georgia one time. I was right in Jacksonville. And I went in the clouds and out of the clouds and in the clouds and out of the clouds and in the clouds. And I said, God, this is driving me crazy. I said, I'm flying along on the instruments and I'm flying along on the instruments and all of a sudden, oh, and I'm, and I'm looking outside and I'm looking outside and I'm going, hey, where am I? I mean, where am I? I'm looking at my chart and going, I think that right there is Jacksonville and boom, back in the cloud again. And I'm going, ah, shoot, crap, you know, and I got it back on the instruments. And I did this and I did this about three or four times and the Lord said, why don't you get on the instruments and stay on them and quit looking out of the window? <laughs> and from that day forward, I never, I never looked out the window again. I got an airplane, looked at my instruments. Take off. Flying out of Orlando country, I'm, you know, 33 degrees, fly up 2,000 feet, turn 360, climb up to Mambo intersection, pick it up on the VOR, turn around across the city, and don't gone. Never looked outside to see anything out there on that dirt. Dude, I give a rip. I have everything I need right there. When you learn to use that book, the whole point of rejoicing is because when you're rejoicing, your eyes are on the Lord. Amen. That was, that's the whole point of the message. Yeah. 
when, when your eyes are on the Lord, then there's, you know, you're just sitting there going, well, I'll tell you where I am. I know exactly where I am. I'll tell you what, I'm in Christ. And I'm blessed coming in and blessed going out. And Abraham's blessings are mine. And I am redeemed from the curse of the law. And he has heard of me because the prayers of a righteous man avails much. So I'm at 2,000 feet and I'm flying up toward Ocala. And I'm going to be there in about 27 minutes. And someone says, well, how do you know that? I mean, I look at outside the thunderstorms and everything. I'm going, no, no, no. You're just looking at the wrong thing. Just look at the instrument paddle and I'll tell you exactly where we are. And then all the fear is gone. That's kind of like my point. I made my point. But look at this scripture. Does this help? This is, you have to train yourself to do this. The whole point of my message, listen, there's no magic wand. I don't, I don't have one for you. I don't have some, whoo, Shandai, and, and, and there's no problem. No, it's not so. But I can teach you to walk by faith and not by sight, and you'll never have a reason to ever be depressed ever again. Amen. How are things going? Wonderful. How, what, what do you mean? Well, Jesus, last time I read the Bible, Jesus is Lord, and, and my name's still written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and <laughs> whoo, hallelujah. And they say, how are the kids? Oh, I gave them to God, you know. Okay, ah, Hallelujah. Now, now look at this. While we do not look at the things that are seen, stop looking at what you can see. It's going to change. No matter. Come on, Paul's writing here. I'm doing a really good job. Stop looking at things seen, but look at the things that are not seen. That was not, that's showing you what you can't see. This is showing you what you can't see. You can't see the angels that are around you, but they're there. You can't see that when you rejoice that the Spirit of God is moving, but you know he is because he said he is, and you're on the instruments, and you're going, well, according to the instruments, we're doing pretty good. Let's go over it again. Do while we do not look, do not look, do not look, do not look. Stop looking at the problem. But at the things that you can't see. For the things you're seeing are temporary. They're going to change. But the things you can't see are eternal and they never change. The instruments always tell you the truth. That's fun. Now I got to tell you a story. It's on Lisa. It's a terrible story. Lisa hates it when I tell stories on her. This one's really bad. Not really. Lisa and I left Nassau one night. Was it one night, one afternoon? Thunderstorm, there's a thing called a dissipating thunderstorm. What that means is in a thunderstorm, you have convections going up and down. But when it's dissipating, the rain is only coming down. That means it's ending. 
So Nash, so I, I got my flight plan, sat there and wait for the thunderstorm to dissipate. It's raining so hard you can't see the prop. We took off right into the rain. And it's raining so hard. And in, a, in, a, oh, in an airplane like what we showed, up there is little vents. And so water's coming in. And so Lisa's got a little headset on where we can talk. And she goes, honey, water's coming in the plane. I said, well, open the door and let it out. <laughs> Which is not really true. But and I hear her over there. And she prayed us all the way home. I left her alone. She needed the practice and I needed the prayer. But she held that airplane up with tongues, man. She was, she was getting us out of that mess. But uh, it, it was fun. It was fun. One night also we left here and, and flew down toward West Palm Beach. And it was black, dark, and we were underneath the clouds. That means we couldn't see the sun and moon, nothing. And all of a sudden we turned to West Palm Beach and headed straight toward Nassau. And, and, and I had a flashlight and I stuffed it between my legs in case we lost power. But the whole, everything went jet black. Everything. It's so black, you can't see anything. You can see the instruments and you can hear the engine. For an hour, nothing. All of a sudden in the horizon, you see what looks like diamonds on velvet. Ding, 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 ding. Nassau's starting to come in. And you, you have no idea how sweet it is to see land when you've been in jet coal black for over an hour, just flying over the ocean under the, and it's sweet to see what looks like diamonds on velvet. And you see a runway going, boop, boop, and you're like, and you're like, ah, that is so sweet to see. So we all like to see it. How's we got for time? I want to tell you all a story now. It's my last story. Y'all, can I have tell one story? Yes. All right. I told you that I've been through this, and, and this is an old story. I've told it before. But, it, it, but we've, been, we've all been here and done this. Whenever um, um, I was going through my marriage problems, and, and I had already gone through a, a divorce, and I was living on my own with the girls, I was working for Weber and Tucker, and, I'm, and I have to work about 40 hours a week just to break even. You understand? I'm working construction, and if I work 40 hours, then I can pay the bills and buy groceries. If, you, if it rains one day, you just, you just don't recoup. And things were not going good because like a week before I'd off a day, and the week before that I was off a day, and this was Wednesday, and they sent me home. And it's raining outside, and I'm depressed. I mean, I, don't, I know that in my refrigerator is a little ketchup and a little mustard and a couple pieces of bread, and, and I'm out of money, and I'm just broke, okay? And so this is the situation that I'm in, right? And that's pretty bad, right? Okay, it looked bad to me. And I'm, I'm driving up International Drive, and I'm in the T-Bird, and it's raining outside. And have y'all ever had times when God was just quiet? And you just thought, you know, and I told him on the way up, I said, you know, I, I, I went through a divorce and I was going through this feeling. All that I had done and all of my walking with God, and, I, and this is where I end up working construction broke? 
In other words, God left me. Where are you? Y'all never had these thoughts. Where are you? I mean, my God, where are you? I have been living for you, witnessing for you, going to Bible school, and now I'm driving home, no money, no church, no friends, no family, no wife, and, and, and you think this is fine. I'm not very happy. In other words, I was not rejoicing. So I'm on iDrive, and I said to God, I said, you know what I would take right now? Just chew me out. Anything. I just need you to say something. And I'm, and I'm passing up through iDrive because we had been building uh, all the hotels down there. And I'm right on the corner of, of iDrive and Kirkman at the traffic light. And the Lord speaks to me and says, want to hear a story? And I thought, yes, sir. I think I'd like to hear a story right now. He said, once upon a time, there was a little creature How many of y'all have heard this before? He said there was a little creature, and uh, he woke up late on Sunday morning, and his mommy and his daddy had all gone to grandmama's house, and they left him. And he woke up late and looks around, and and no one's home. And everyone's gone, and and so he doesn't, he has no idea where he is or what he's doing. So he he jumps down, and, and he starts walking around the jungle, and he walks up to a big gazelle, and he says, Mr. Gazelle, Mr. Gazelle, uh, my mommy and daddy went to grandmama's house this morning, and, and I don't know how to get to grandmama's house. Can you tell me how to get there? And the gazelle said, yeah, I can tell you how to get there. He says, you got to get out and like run, baby. I mean, just like run with the wind. And he takes off running. And the, so the little creature takes off running across the prairie. And after a few minutes, he realizes he just can't keep up with the gazelle. And he just kind of like, oh, that's, that's not, that's not going to work. So he kind of wanders down into the jungle. And there's a bunch of monkeys in a tree. And he walks up to the monkeys and he looks up and he says, Mr. Monkey, Mr. Monkey, um, my mommy and my daddy left this morning and went to grandmama's house, and I don't know how to get there. Can you tell me how to get to grandmama's house? And the monkey said, yeah, baby, come on, just jump up here and swing with us. And he, the little creature jumps up and tries to swing like the monkey, and it isn't long that he realizes he can't do that. And he falls down in the forest and just, you know, about breaks his poor little neck. And then he roams around the jungle for a while, and he comes up on a river, and there's a bunch of fish in the river. And he looks down in the river and he says, Mr. Fish, this morning my mommy and my daddy left for grandmama's house and I don't know how to get to grandmama's house. And can you help me? He says, yeah, be cool, dude. He says, just jump in and wiggle like this. And he says, and you'll be at grandmama's house soon. So the little creature dives in the water and just about drowns. <laughs> Finally, the little creature is about discouraged. And he kind of roams out in the prairie and he just kind of starts roaming around. I don't know what he's doing. And finally, he bumps into this big old lion, you know, this, and at this time, he just doesn't care. And he just looks up at the lion. He said, Mr. Lion, Mr. Lion, this morning, my mommy and my daddy left for grandmama's house, and I don't know how to get to grandmama's house, and which, can you help me? And I want you to remember the Lord's telling me this story. He's sitting at a red light. He's going into this much detail. And he said, will you do what I say? He said, yes, sir, I... I asked Mr. Monkey, and he couldn't help me, and I asked the gazelle, and he couldn't help me, and, 
and, and I asked the fish, and he couldn't help me. He said, well, I want, you to do, I want you to do what I say. I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to worship God. And I want you to worship him with all of your heart right now. And he says, when you feel like you've worshiped God a while, open your eyes, and you will know how to get to Grandma's house. And so the little creature says, well, I tried everything else. And he's standing out in the prairie, and he just starts worshiping God. And he, he's just getting excited about Jesus, and he just, he's just jumping around and having a good time. And he thinks, well, I think that's about enough time. And he opens up his eyes, and he looks over the mountains, and he sees his whole family heading over the mountains. And um, he looks down at the prairie, and the lion is down there, and he says, I see him. Thank you, Mr. Lion. And he takes off and follows his family. And I'm sitting there in the car. It's pouring down rain. I'm depressed. And the Lord said to me, you have asked the people in the world what to do, and no one's helped you. He said, son, I have made you a new creation. I have designed you to fly with eagles. You cannot be cool with the world. You can't swing with the world. You can't run with this world. You need to worship me. I got out of the car. I started worshiping God. Now, I don't know how he did it. But within a week, he turned all of my finances around. Because up until then, I'm looking at the bills, I'm looking at my paycheck, and I'm looking at my failures. And he said, now you get your eyes and worship me. When I started to worship God, he turned everything in my life. How? I have no idea. Because my paycheck didn't change. The days I worked didn't change, but all of a sudden, my finances, I had enough money to, to tithe and to buy groceries and everything, and it all happened because I stopped whining about it and started worshiping God. Now, he told me that little story because something happens in the spirit realm when you start worshiping God. Because you're in faith. Do you understand that? Whenever you want to know, am I in faith or not? Check your face. <laughs> I'm done. Okay. So I'm When your eyes are on the problem, you're going to lose your joy. When your eyes are on God, you're going to get your joy back. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, I thought that was a pretty good sermon. So, so we're not, whenever we say rejoice in the Lord on Sunday morning, we're not talking about just get a little happy and holler a little bit. That's not what we're, that's not why we show up here on Sunday morning singing, hollering, and shouting. We're doing that because we need to be doing that. We're practicing for Monday. Amen. Did y'all learn anything tonight? Father God, thank you that we learned something tonight. We learned about rejoicing in the Lord. And Father, I pray that everybody in the sound of my voice would leave here today and walk out and go, wait a second. I actually learned something about faith I didn't know. 
that I realize I can check on my faith by my face. And when I'm in faith, their joy will be in manifestation. And if not, then I can go on the instruments and I can start rejoicing by faith because of the Word of God, not circumstances in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.